0: And I have to say, I'm quite uh, happy to see that one of the people joining us tonight is Ginny Weasley, because I wanted to read a quote from J.K. Rowling, Um, because there are so many graduations happening, virtual graduations. I can't help but recall J.K. Rowling's great commencement address to the graduating class of Harvard in 2008. And I actually won't read it. I'll just share that what was famous about it is that she didn't speak About success. She spoke about her failure. And she recounted her life. Uh, This is for people that are just appearing. I'm talking about J.K. Rowling. And she recounted that about eight years after graduation. J.K. Rowling pronounced herself a complete failure by any standard that she could imagine. She'd had a brief marriage that failed. All her efforts to find her way had failed. She did have a daughter that she adored. She said, and many of you probably know this. um, She said, Rock Bottom became the foundation upon which I built my real life. Rock Bottom. And there was something so freeing about that for her. And she said, by no means was it fun. Because she had no way of knowing that there would be light at the end of the tunnel. It was the magazine people who described her life as a fairy tale. She just had the barest hope. That now she was free to live the way she wanted to live, the way she felt truly called to live, because she failed at everything else. And in a certain way, what we are experiencing together right now can feel like a terrible terrible reckoning a most painful confrontation with the truth with a feeling that any kind of cherished illusions are gone and we wonder how can we find our way how can we find our way because we can't really count on leadership from the top but simultaneously what we have encountered is an upwelling of compassion of 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 a willingness to to march too. You know, I'm not just talking about the protests this week. I'm talking about our hearts opening. I'm talking about something inside us that stirs sometimes in the face of the darkest times. And I wanted to tell you, I don't want to give you a lecture or recap the news. I want to tell you a story. One of my friends and mentors um, early on was um, a really interesting guy named William Siegel. And I just loved him. And I visited him every week in the last years of his life, and we became great friends. And what I loved about him is that he was a man of the world. He wasn't a monk. He was a painter. He was a publisher. He published 11 magazines. So he was a professional man and he was dapper and elegant and I just loved being greeted at the door by him because he would wear some artful piece of clothing that came from Japan or some someplace really special and often he would have a big green parrot perched on his shoulder. And he wore an eye patch, so he looked like an incredibly elegant pirate. And he had a very, very heavy Brooklyn accent. So it, I introduced my baby, my then baby. She's now thirty, but she was once a little baby to him. And he pronounced her Awake of art, W O I K, awake. A wake of art. And, and he was, in a way, my ideal because my dream was to have a, a serious spiritual practice, but to also live in the world, to be fully and vibrantly engaged, not apart. So, I thought he was just amazing, because he was equally balanced between outside and inside. And, and I have discovered something surprising, though. The deeper I go into practice and into life, What interests me about this man was not his balance between his Manhattan life as a publisher and his equally intense inner work. What interests me is that he survived a devastating car accident in 1971. Months after his beloved died, he had this car crash that shattered both hips and shattered his skull and broke every bone in his face, every single bone, and it wasn't clear whether he was going to live or die. And he would talk about it very often to me. He himself wasn't clear whether he would live or die. But something awakened in him, a willingness. It wasn't like a fierce will, but it was a whisper of willingness. I'm going to live. And he was so bashed up that that willingness took the form of being willing to watch and see what the doctors did next. And it was operation after operation, but this attitude began to be cultivated. That was an openness. To life, come what may. And then, as he lay there, he got a telegram or a letter from a famous Zen Roshi in Japan, and Seiko. He told me, I don't know if it's accurate, but he often repeated to me that he was the first American allowed to sit in a Japanese monastery after the war. D. T. Suzuki was his great friend, and wrote letters of introduction that permitted Siegel to go sit in a Zen monastery, and this great uh, master wrote him, so Soen, so Soen, S-O-E-N, Soen Roshi, wrote to Siegel, lucky man, one accident like yours is worth 10,000 sittings in a monastery. One accident like yours is worth 10,000 sittings in a monastery. And, you know, he, of course, loved this quote, and I loved it. And I thought about it for years. What does this mean? And it's clear to me now that it didn't mean some special attainment some state beyond suffering. What it meant is that they're awakened in him a new attitude towards life. A kind of equanimity that isn't indifference, but a true openness, a little bit of faith just a little bit of faith that a light might appear. And J.K. Rowling said the same thing. She said, there were, when things were darkest for her, before she gave herself permission to write the story that she'd had in mind about a wizard. She had no idea that there would be light at the end of the tunnel. Just a tiny bit of faith. And especially, like Siegel, the feeling that there was nothing left to lose. Nothing left to lose. So why am I telling you this in connection to practice? Because practice, real practice, not just take a course and for diversion or to feel a little better, but real practice involves letting go of all hope of a particular outcome. It's a willingness to trust in something you do not know. And I posted on Facebook, I couldn't resist, um, another Roshi I love um, posted a picture of Wiley e. Coyote. Who is? it might be before your time, but he was a coyote, a cartoon coyote, and it said real spiritual awakening looks like this. And it was Wiley e. Coyote going over a cliff. He was always he was always having terrible mishaps, and that involved always ultimately falling off a cliff. And um, the truth is, when we're practicing especially in the thick of life like we are right now. There are moments when you feel like you're just risking to open your heart in the face of a complete unknown, that you're just sailing off a cliff. And because Tracy, and what the heck does she know, tells you to meet what's coming up. Just meet it. If it's pain, if it's fear, just for a moment, meet it with kind attention. And that can feel like just enduring discomfort until that day and that moment when you do that you discover inside the pain or the fear or the anger that felt so unbearable to you. It lets go and reveals an inner silence, a stillness, and you taste what it's like to be present in life without fear and you discover that what the Buddha was talking about when he talked about freedom from suffering is that there's a door, an inner door, inside our suffering that we can pass through in a moment and discover a new feeling of peace. And that might seem, um, you might agree, you might find it far-fetched or wishful thinking, but I would end by reminding you of that marvelous quote from Mother Teresa about not doing great deeds, just abandon that. You can't, but to do small things with great love, and this might seem hackneyed by now, until you apply it to practice, that when you have a moment where you feel anxiety arising or loneliness or whatever dreaded feeling is usually not just one thing, but a cocktail of shame and dread and loneliness and anger. This, it's like, oh no, here it comes. In the midst of that, just for a moment, meet it with love. And the next time, it comes up, meet it with more love. And so we're not controlling what happens outside, we're shifting our attention to the awareness that meets our experience. And inviting more love compassion. So let's sit together and now and take a seat, comfortable seat, you're seated, most of you, maybe you're lying down, if you're on the floor, make sure you have a nice firm seat. If you're in a chair, this is your time to Be with yourself,
1: with compassion, and acceptance.
0: And so just notice how it feels to be here.
1: And let your eyes close.
0: And here we are in our seat with our friends. They're friends because they share our aim to be really alive,
1: present.
0: And let everything happen. Let everything happen to you. Everything that's coming up. And notice how it feels to meet your experience with kindness. Not telling yourself a story, simply being with your
1: experience. with kindness.
0: If you find yourself taken by thinking or hearing or sensing, gently come back to the body and the
1: sensation of sitting here, breathing and sensing.
0: And notice that there's an attention inside you that isn't thinking.
1: That's seeing, accepting,
0: And see that this attention doesn't require perfect silence or any particular
1: attitude.
0: It welcomes you to be present just as you are. And notice that this attention isn't separate from sensation, from
1: presence, of feeling, of presence.
0: And when you get lost, come home. Back to the body. Back to the moment. Back to an attention that doesn't judge, that receives, accepts,
1: and sees.
0: And notice that the movement of return, of coming home to the present and the body, can be one of loving kindness,
1: can be completely gentle.
0: And notice that we share something, an attention that isn't just our thinking.
1: It's something we open to.
0: an energy of presence that's inside and also outside. Notice you can come home anytime, and it's like drinking from a stream.
1: Coming home to life.
0: Notice how it feels to be surrounded by life, inside and outside,
1: by a presence that's kind.
0: And before we open our eyes, I invite you to imagine a world in which everything you want to be solved was solved. Everything that is wrong has been righted. Every step has been taken to heal. Just make space for that thought. And imagine what you would do then.
1: How would you live? No cause for fear or rage or contraction, how would you live?
0: invite yourself to live that way right now. to remember that there's a famous poem by Rumi that begins today like every day today like every day we wake up empty and frightened and that's Rumi and it's so heartening because it shows us that it's not that these states don't arise of being tired and frightened and empty, but we're cultivating a capacity to meet those states with love, with kindness, with this attention that doesn't judge that receives and sees us. And it's magically transforming one moment at a time. So thank you for sitting with me and listening to me. And I welcome, if somebody has a question or an observation, I'd be happy to hear it or stillness. So I was thinking that um, before we, when we go to close now, we can practice, usually we call it meta and we'll still call it meta but will include people who are really suffering right now. People, including people like Harley's friend, who is so sick and suffering, and also people everywhere suffering from injustice and racism and everything we're witnessing. So, and include ourselves. Let's take our seats. And just feel how it is to be you right now, tonight, this evening, or midday, wherever you are, morning. How does it feel to be you? And let yourself be touched and softened by an attention that's kind.
1: Let's see. Listen
0: and and offering ourselves the phrase or the impulse a we be safe and
1: seen and free, free to be we be free from suffering.
0: And we don't keep this for ourselves. We let it go out to our loved ones, our friends, our partners, our children.
1: community.
0: Our animal companions. May we all be safe and free from suffering. May we all be accompanied by compassion and
1: and free
0: and opening our hearts wider still and including ourselves, never abandoning ourselves, we let that feeling shine out
1: across the country.
0: Picturing all the people marching in the streets and also at home or sick in hospitals
1: are also in prison. May we all be safe and free from suffering. May we be seen and heard and be free.
0: And letting our attention and this wish go farther still across the ocean. Including
1: Britain and Europe, every country. Picturing everyone marching, everyone at home, sick and well,
0: free and captive. May We all be safe and free from
1: suffering. May we all be seen and heard and receive what we need.
0: and opening our hearts further still to include the whole of India.
1: The whole of Africa, north to south. the whole of the Middle East. May we all be safe and free from suffering. Seen and heard and treated with dignity and care. in the whole of Asia, every country, safe, free from suffering and fear.
0: Finally, opening our hearts to embrace the whole world,
1: every part
0: wishing all of us every person every creature every plant may we all be safe and protected
1: may we be free from suffering.
0: May we be free from oppression and racism
1: and danger of all kinds. May we be free from injustice and completely free. May all beings be free from suffering.
0: so much for your presence and your practice. And I'm so glad to see you showing up here in Zoom. I thank all of you. It makes a big difference.
1: So, thank you. Thank you.